is the Discuss Metal Podcast with John Amos of Atalus. Hosted by Dan Terry. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Discuss Metal Podcast. My name is Dan. I will be your host for this evening. And with me tonight is John Amos from Atalus. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm excited to, yeah, to talk. Well, this is cool. And I, I think it couldn't have come at a better time, uh, considering that uh, Face Down just announced that they are repressing into the sea uh, on vinyl, which is super cool because, well, uh, I didn't get it the first time around. <laughs> mm. I don't even know if I was collecting vinyl whenever they originally released it on. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so I've got like a CD, but uh, but yeah, I never got the vinyl the first time around. So we'll kind of kind of get into that now. But but this isn't nece- this interview isn't necessarily just about the band; it's about you. So I'm gonna start with uh, with the simple questions, uh, which would just be like, where did you grow up? So I grew up, um, say basically the last 25 years, really, um, on and off. Um, but I grew up in the Scranton area. Okay. Um, I, I was born in Illinois, but my family moved around a bunch um, before we settled here. And uh, yeah, a town called Clark's Summit. Uh, it's like 10 minutes outside of Scranton. Um, for, for those of you that hear that, that city name and instantly think the office. <laughs> I was thinking um, that, yeah. You're, uh, you're not alone. And, uh, but at the same time, if you ever come to Scranton, you'll be extremely disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Not much there. No Dunder right. Mifflin Dun- building. Dunder Mifflin is not there. Um, they've got some touristy things, but it's not much. And you could do it all in like an afternoon. <laughs> so what got you? Uh, what got you into music? Um, I feel like probably like a lot of a lot of people that kind of came up in this scene. Uh, church youth group, probably. Yeah. Um, learned to learn to play guitar. Um, and early on, I mean. <laughs> my music tastes grew and, and developed a lot over the course of, you know, junior high, high school, college, um, from, you know, of course your typical youth group bands, DC talk newsboys, um, you know, into the more, what I would have called back at the time, what I, I would have called underground music. Um, you know, and <laughs> at the time for me, that would have been like the supertones. Sure. Um, and then from there, um, you know, getting into, you know, tooth and nail bands, um, probably the first band I ever listened to that had screaming in it, honestly, was POD. Um, and from there it just kind of went on. Um, but, but the, so Southtown was their, the first album I got from them and the songs that had a lot of screaming, I wasn't crazy about. Um, but the more I listened to it, the more I liked it. And then I found myself getting into, uh, Emery's first album when that came out. Um, I heard of the band on tooth and nails website and I saw they had an album coming out. So I went to my local record store, bought it and did not like it. Oh yeah. First. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't like it at first. I'm like, what is going on? I liked the singing. Um, they had great, great singers in that band, but the screaming, I just was like, what is going on? But the more I listened to it, the more it grew on me. And then I think the next album of like heavier side of things that I got into was, uh, demon hunter summer of darkness. 
And that was like the first probably metal album I got into. Um, and then breaking into more like secular bands, uh, Kill Switch Engage. I heard uh, the end of Heartache and I was like, holy cow. Yeah. What is this? This is incredible. Yeah. Um, and yeah, from there, it just kind of kept going and going. And, um, you know, and even even up till now, you know, I'm still finding, you know, different music and bands. And, but I love all kinds of music. Uh, I, get, I get more picky about um, like pop music and hip hop and stuff like that. But um, and I definitely don't do country, but <laughs> but pretty much everything in between. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you if you had started off kind of youth group, did your what did was your youth group culture kind of more geared as it went on towards kind of the more punk and hardcore type stuff? Or was that just a decision <laughs> that you made? Not. OK, definitely. Decidedly not. No. Um, yeah, that was just one of my there was a Christian bookstore in the area and they they had, you know, tooth and nail and solid state albums uh, that I that I'd find and. Um, yeah, I think the first album I bought that I distinctly remember seeing that, that, that tooth and nail logo was, uh, Staves Acre's speakeasy. Okay. And kind of from there, I, I like made it a point to look for albums that had that, that tooth and nail logo on it. Um, and yeah, the, I, oddly enough, this, this bookstore, this Christian bookstore, it, you know, carried all that stuff. And, um, you know, for the area I live in. It, it, looking back, it's almost kind of surprising um, that they that they carried that stuff. But it, uh, it was it was great uh, to grow up with with a lot of that and help me get into what I would call good music in a time where new metal was the reigning force in uh, heavy music and, and the radio, especially. Sure. Um, although although even that has seen like a resurgence and it's so it's so interesting how that's kind of popping up in like a lot of hardcore bands nowadays and yeah it's weird like nobody's nobody's really ashamed to say oh yeah yeah dude i love corn right like people are like oh yeah that's cool like who cares well i think but, it's uh, kind of like how our parents you know um got really really into hair metal again for a while you know <laughs> and um and how they were you know like oh yeah and so suddenly all these hair bands start going on tour again and and even the ones that are that like had survived you know since the 80s had changed their sound a lot, but then they went back to the old one. I think that's largely what's happening with new metal yeah. where we're all just kind of like, you know what? We're, it's past the statute of limitations. Now I can, mm-hmm. I can tell people that I like corn and it's, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then, and then you even have a band like Deftones who really came up in new metal, but I feel like once they hit, uh, you know, white pony, like they really kind of started moving away from that sound, I think, and got into more of like, kind of what we were talking about earlier, like some of that like heavy, but atmospheric stuff. And I think that was really kind of the only place that they fit at the time, but I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I think even the first demon hunter album, uh, people used to say was like new metal. Cause then people would, Oh yeah. I remember a dude showing it to me. He's like, dude, it's like Christian slipknot. And you know, <laughs> um, I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I mean, it really, really wasn't that, but it, mm-hmm. you know, was, uh, I think it was just the singing and screaming. I think, I think right. back then I remember, you know, kind of going through the same thing where you'd start with like kind of the bands that sang and maybe screamed a little bit, but it was just like a kind of a compliment. And then like, but I remember when I first started listening to it, that it was like, there was this weird disparity between like, you either like stuff like Pewdie and Blindside or Zayo. Mm-hmm. And there well, there wasn't really like a middle ground band like Demon Hunter, you know, to kind yeah. of step yeah, in yeah. And, and, and kind of bridge that gap. Um, 
So if you're uh, if you're listening to all this music and you so did you start playing guitar prior to being kind of a fan of this type of music or was it just like you know something? Yeah, I I took I took guitar lessons from my youth pastor when I was in sixth grade, um, and I didn't really start getting into the more uh, you know independent music until um, ninth grade or something like that. So a couple of years later, um, and I think even in part to i remember going and seeing the supertones uh they were doing a headline tour and plank eye uh played with them now for people who listen to plank eye from all the way back in the day it was a different plank eye that i saw but still um enough you know different enough for me you know growing up listening to dc talk newsboys that's it kind of thing um and i'm like man what is this and i want to find more of it and tooth and nail had that for you mm-hmm. <laughs> straight up. It's so funny. All the albums that you're mentioning. Um, I, I bought like, I, I had this like massive CD score yesterday. I was out, uh, out and about and I, I posted some pictures on Facebook and, but, it, and it's so funny cause all the albums that you've mentioned, like, uh, speakeasy, um, mm-hmm. what was it? De- okay. Demon Hunter wasn't in there, but the, the first Emery record and, mm-hmm. uh, and then plank. I the first plank. I record, uh, those were all in my score yesterday. So it's just funny. Oh, every time, every time you mention that's, an album name, I'm like, do I have that over there? Yeah, I think I do. Dang, that's, that's a nice score. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. Dollar bin, man. So a lot of them were still sealed. It was crazy. But, wow. um, so, you know, what made you go from being somebody that, you know, appreciated music to being somebody that wanted to actually make music in like a band sense? <laughs> um, so yeah, once I learned how to play guitar, um, you know, obviously, and that's, especially being a youth group kid, you know, learning to play guitar. Okay, well then you want to be in the worship band, um, or you have to be in some cases, right? Yeah. True, true. Um, and then other other you know friends in my youth group, you know, would learn to play an instrument or a guitar, or drums or whatever. And, and I remember uh, I was a sophomore or junior in high school and. Uh, a couple of my friends from youth group, yeah, just decided like, Hey, let's, let's try to write a song. And I still, I can still remember, uh, the, the riff. I mean, it was a course, of course it was like a four chord, you know, progression and really simple. I can still hear it in my head. Um, and it was terrible, but we, we thought it was fun and we thought it was awesome because we recorded it with a tape, uh, you know, tape recorder and, listen back to it. And, uh, funny enough, my mom actually found that tape recently when I was, we were, my wife and I were over there for dinner one night and she's like, Oh, do you want this? I'm like, no, <laughs> go ahead and just throw that out. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's trash. Um, but yeah, and, and that never led to anything. So growing up in the area I grew up, I had no idea there was even such a thing as a local music scene. Right. Um, the biggest band to come out of uh, this area that I was aware of, at least in when I was in high school was breaking Benjamin, um, or from Wilkesbury, but just the, the whole idea of a local music scene, uh, just didn't even exist in my head. Like I had no, I, I had no idea what that was like. I had no, I, no concept of it, no frame of reference at all. Um, I kind of just thought you, you start a band and then you get signed to a, a record label and, and that's it. Um, you know, there's no concept of, well, actually you're going to play, uh, shows, um, where there's 12 bands on this bill 
and it starts at five in the afternoon and goes until 3 a.m. And it's terrible. And everybody watching um, is from the yeah. other bands. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, so I had no concept of that until I was 26. <laughs> Uh, when I moved away and then only after I moved away from the Scranton area did I realize that I find out there actually was a local scene and, um, bands like title fight, um, Menzingers were originally from Scranton. I think they moved to Philly a couple years ago. Um, motionless and white is from Scranton. Um, tiger's jaw. I mean, all these bands I'm like, we, and we actually, uh, played with tiger's jaw in Raleigh one time. And I'm like, where's this band from? And someone's like Scranton. I'm like, shut up. No, they're not. Uh-huh. I happen Nobody. to know that there are no bands from Scranton. Yeah, <laughs> I have on, I have on good authority that there are no bands from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> but it, it blew my mind. I was like, are you kidding me? This was there the whole time. And I had no idea. Um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's funny how your perspective changes when you go to a different place. Yeah. So was Atlas your first band? So. <laughs> I mean, basically, yes, but, um, I met actually our, our singer, Seth, um, he also played, he also played keys, um, and he was our, our primary songwriter. Um, but he and I met at college, uh, right here where I'm from this really small Bible college. And he and I started a band, uh, called take heart. Um, I think it was my junior year of college. Um, it didn't even last. I don't even think we lasted a full semester, but we played a couple, we played a couple things. We played like some, uh, open mic, uh, events at our, at our college. And then we did some, I think it was like a youth for Christ thing at a, at a gym somewhere in the area. And that was, that was like my first taste of a show. Um, and, um, yeah, that, that was kind of my first experience with it. And, um, my parents came to it and, uh, they've, they've recorded it on video and, um, I have it somewhere, but it's not really worth watching, but, um, <laughs> I don't think it is anyway. We, we, we opened with a cover of, uh, Finch's what it is to burn. Nice. And, and I, and I did the, sc- I did all the screaming. Love that record. Um, and I had, I, yeah, so good. Um, I had warned my parents the night before. I'm like, Hey, just say no. Uh, when you come to this concert tomorrow, I'm going to be screaming. And they're <laughs> like, Oh, okay, sure. Sure. And on the, on the video, you can hear my mom going, is that John? <laughs> <laughs> that makes it worth watching. So, oh yeah. That, 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 that alone is worth at least, you know, watching for a little bit. But, uh, yeah, so that was my first kind of taste of actually playing a show and and really, um, I mean, I guess being in a band. But yeah, Atlas was, I, I would say, the first legitimate band that I was in. Okay, so uh, how did how did Atlas come about as a as an entity? Um, try to keep this concise. Um, Seth, our lead singer and, and uh, keys player, um, songwriter, he um, had been writing songs. I mean, he, he's, he's been writing songs since he was in high school. He'd been doing bands. Um, and he had, he had gone over to the UK uh, to work on his master's degree. Um, and when he came back, he got together with our original drummer, Adam, um, and showed him some of these songs. And Adam just said, dude, we gotta, we gotta record these songs somehow. We gotta do something with this. So, uh, the two of them, 
um, Adam's brother, Evan, our guitar player. And then our other guitarist, John, um, and John's brother, Chris, uh, was a drummer, but he wanted to be in this band so badly. So they're like, all right, you can play bass. So he learned how to play bass just to be in the band, even though he was, he was a drummer by, by trade, I guess. Um, meanwhile, about six months before all that happened, uh, Seth and I had talked, um, I had just moved down to the Charlotte area of North Carolina and he was like, Hey, you know, we were just kind of catching up, you know, dude, we should, I was like, Hey, I live in North Carolina now, you know, whenever you come back, we should, we should try to do something music. I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So yeah, fast forward back to, you know, Atlas forming and I start hearing rumblings and I'm like, dude, what? Yeah. Like, we talked about this, man. Like, come on. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> um, Charlotte and Raleigh are about two, two and a half hours apart. But um, still, I was like, ah, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Like, I really wanted to do this. Yeah. Um, and so in uh, early 2011, so then, oh, yeah, sorry. They they recorded uh, an EP called uh, The Greater Tide. Um, six songs, three of them, which ended up on future albums. Um, two of them actually were are, are on Into the Sea in... Uh, different iteration, um, better, I would say. Um, and then, uh, one of them that ended up being on our, on our first full length. Um, so they, they put that out in, I don't remember summer of 2010, I I think, and started kind of just getting involved in the local Raleigh scene. And early 2011, um, Seth calls me up and he's like, Hey man, uh, I don't know if you've heard at all about, you know, this band that I'm in now called Atlas. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, buddy. Um, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard about that. Um, he's like, well, anyway, our drummer Adam is, is leaving the band. Um, cause he's, he's getting married and, um, he's a youth pastor and, and just, just doesn't feel like he can really commit to time. Uh, you know, and, and all that that's necessary to, to be in the band. He doesn't want to hold us back, whatever kind of stuff like that. Sure. Um, he said, you know, Chris, our bass player is, is a pretty, is a really good drummer. So he's just going to switch over to drums and we need a bass player. You know, are you interested? And I was like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that to him, but I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd be interested. Let um, me check my schedule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, but I did, I did kind of, I told him, I'm like, you know what? I, I want to take some time and, you know, think this through and just make sure I'm, I'm not just, I don't know. I, I want to make a, a smart decision here, not just an emotional one. Um, and it, I mean, if it's, it's interesting because at the time I was, I was kind of looking to, to move on to something anyway. Um, so it didn't take me long to be like, yeah, I'm in, let's, let's do this. Um, so I, I went out to Raleigh to watch them play actually, uh, Adam's last show on drums. Um, and then the next day I, I kind of auditioned with them. Um, and they were kind of like, yeah, you're in. And I was like, cool. When do I move out here? <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, that's try to, yeah, try to keep it brief. I'm not sure where to go from here. Oh no, or, you're, you're or, good, man. Um, so that's, that's my job. Keep it moving. Um, the, uh, so was this was this before you guys put out the first uh, independent album? And I do not know how to pronounce it. I think it's Latin. Yeah, um, post tenebras lux. There it is. I, yeah, it's, yeah. It, yeah, I would have said post tenebras lux. So. <laughs> tenebras lux. 
It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Um, like I said, Seth uh, had gone over to the UK to work on his master's degree. I think it was in English literature or something like that. I mean, dude's super smart, book smart, like crazy. Um, and then he always has these, you know, crazy names for, for things, you know, um, <laughs> our, 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 actually our name comes from, uh, Atlas was a martyr, um, in France, uh, during the Roman, um, the Roman empire. Um, and, uh, Marcus Aurelius wrote about, um, these martyrs in, in Lyon, France, and, uh, Atlas was one of them. And, uh, he, um, when he was brought into um, the arena, he was wearing a sign that said "Hic S. Adelus Christianus," okay, um, which 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 means this is Adelus the Christian, um, and he was he was martyred for uh, basically people's misunderstanding of what communion was. Um, although, depending on what your uh, Christian background might be, uh, you might have disagreement on that anyway. But they 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 were they martyred him because uh, they thought he was a cannibal. Um, because of communion, um, because so, of the whole, tra- uh, what do they call that? Trans- transubstantiation. Transubstantiation. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, a certain, a certain, certain aspect or certain sects of Christianity believe that it actually becomes the physical flesh and blood of Jesus versus right. the others that take it as more of a symbolic gesture, which sounds more like a disagreement that doesn't, you know, shouldn't result in bloodshed, but it was a different world. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's, that's where the name came from that Seth, that Seth got that. And, uh, post Tenebras Luke's is Latin for, um, after darkness light. Um, so yeah, I joined the band in April of 2011. And, um, before I actually moved out there, moved out to Raleigh, we, I played my first two shows. Um, my first show with the band was originally supposed to be at this dive bar in, uh, Greenville, North Carolina, uh, right down the street from Eastern Carolina university. Um, it actually, we actually ended up, ended up getting another show the night before that, um, opening for Sanctus real, um, talk about, you know, youth group rock, rock bands. Um, yeah, no, I, bought, no I bought their, I bought their first CD on a, on a youth group missions trip. Um, and, and I was like, Oh, I didn't keep up with them after that, but that first album I really liked. Um, so that was, that was fun and interesting. Uh, <laughs> and then going and playing in a dive bar. I preferred playing in the dive bar, to be honest with you, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's usually the... the I think there's a certain... Um, whenever whenever you're playing, you know, I don't know. Whenever you're... Uh, dive bars are just nice, because if you mess up, nobody either nobody notices or they don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you guys put out that independent record and then you guys put a second one out. And I guess I, I'm trying to figure out where the, uh, I, I don't want to say the success level, but just like where, where was the band at as far as, um, you were, you guys playing a lot of shows like out of town? Like, I guess what I'm at, like, w- at what point did you go from being a band local to your area to actually touring? Well, <laughs> it's, it's funny to even kind of try to come up with an answer for that because I, I don't feel like we ever really toured out much, honestly. Um, at most, maybe would do like a weekend run, um, kind of in the in the southeast. Counts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the mini tour um, counts. You're away from home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and we did we did get on a couple 
uh, like Christian music festivals, but the, you know, pay to play kind of a deal. Um, yeah, (laughs) we, so we did, I think it was, I think it was the summer after we put out post turn brass Luke's, um, we did Atlanta fest, which was interesting because that's primarily, uh, like contemporary Christian music artists. Um, but most, I mean, the vast majority of those kind of festivals do have those like smaller tents where they just have some, like a a sponsor set up a stage and, uh, sound system and then just have anybody play. So that's kind of what we did there. We were, it was, it was the heavier stage, but I I don't even, I think some of the bands might've been signed to a, I think maybe like red cord records or something like that. Um, and then we did Ichthus that same summer, uh, which was a much better experience. Um, even though we were still on one of the, in one of those like tent stages, but, um, we did connect with, uh, a couple, a couple bands while we were there. Um, we actually played the same stage as, uh, Phineas, um, back in the day. That was, that was cool. Those dudes were, they were good dudes. Um, and it was, they, they killed it on stage too. Um, and just getting some exposure through that, um, we, we connected with some, some churches and, you know, people in, in, I think Ohio that had us come out and play. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not totally sure. Um, we did have a manager at one point who had worked with, again, I think some of those same bands that we, we played on that, that stage at Atlanta fest, but he supposedly had connections. Um, <laughs> yeah, you hear that a lot, and, uh, a lot of the, yeah. Oh yeah, man. I could you, before you guys know it, I'm going to have you guys on warp tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were no promises like that, but, um, but I don't know. He was, he was from Nashville and, and at least claimed to know some other bands. And, um, at one point told us he was going to get us a show with cage, the elephant. And I'm like, we're like, Mm, I'm not sure you really know them. Or not. <laughs> sure. Um, That's funny. And it never, never, never happened anyway. But, um, I mean, I think if nothing else, I think he did, uh, help us kind of learn some things about trying to make connections and, and get exposure, um, you know, to, to different people that we might not normally reach. Um, we did actually end up at one point, um, we did get a song from post Tenor Brass Luke's onto radio. U. uh, unfortunately we went up against August Burns red and got absolutely destroyed. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't think they played us after that, but, uh, at least not until into the sea came out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would say primarily we, we didn't, do much more than like maybe a two hour radius outside of Raleigh. Okay. Uh, and even that was tricky because we didn't want to oversaturate our market. Um, the vast majority of our local fans were actually kids from a church that we all went to, um, where we led worship for the high school and college classes and stuff like that. Um, and so we would actually, we actually drew really well, um, at our local shows. Um, but we eventually kind of got blacklisted by all the venues because we didn't bring out a drinking crowd. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, that so. makes sense. You bring, <laughs> you bring youth group hits, but you know, I, it's funny because I had kind of a similar issue. Um, this is back in like 2007 and I was in a local band here in St. Louis and, um, it was kind of the same sort of thing is where we would bring youth group kids 
And I used to always be like, dude, then just sell like monster energy drinks or, yeah. you know what I mean? And and, and they mm-hmm. did. They just, I don't know. Maybe they were just were uncomfortable with our band and just bringing like church people yeah. in and, yeah. and stuff like that. It's like the exact opposite of the way it used to be where they'd be more nervous if you brought people from a bar to church. Now people are uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> if you bring people from a church to a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like that. And, and I guess that kind of leads into my next, my next question is, you know, whenever you're we're, you're going out and you're playing these church shows and you're you're kind of starting to play with other bands and and stuff like that, was the Christian music scene kind of what you thought that it was going to be? Um, I don't know that I have a good answer for that because we weren't really part of it. I don't feel like not, not in, at least not in the sense of like the local the local Raleigh scene around that time. You know, from 2010 to uh, let's say 2014, even or even up till now, maybe, but, um, we were, oh, there were a couple other, you know, Christian-ish bands, um, that we were close with and, and good friends with. And, but there were other bands that, you know, wanted nothing to do with God that we were friends with. And I mean, the Raleigh scene at that time, man, was just so good. Um, a lot of bands that, that, uh, really, I think could have made it, whatever that means. Um, you know, gotten, gotten signed to a label or, you know, gotten on some, some big national tours, I think really. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people probably think that about their local scene at whatever given time. Um, you know, but I, I think, you know, yeah, there were just some incredibly talented bands, uh, that we came up playing with around that time. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that we, that any of us would say we necessarily felt like part of the Christian music scene. I mean, yeah, we, we played Ichthus, we played Atlanta fest. We played some other festival in Indiana. Uh, it was like a day festival. Um, and we got, we were, we were the opening act on the main stage at like noon or something. Maybe it was like 11 AM. We got there late. Uh, we ran one, like half a song on soundcheck, played three songs and they're like, are right, you done? Huh. We're like, okay, cool. We just got here. All right. <laughs> Awesome. I'll um, go get a hot dog or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't think, yeah, I don't think we really felt that connected to it. Um, in the sense that, yeah, I don't think we didn't really feel a part of it. I mean, uh, again, I, another example, like we opened for, uh, red and thousand foot crutch because we won some contest to open up for them at this actually it was at the church we all went to. Huh. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just felt so, so manufactured and forced and really <laughs> at one point after the show, Red's tour manager came over to our table, merch table. And he's like, hey, you guys have to price match. We're like, uh, no, I don't think so, bro. No, no, we're <laughs> not going to do that. <laughs> what? <laughs> and, he, and he like kept trying to tell us like, you guys, you guys got and we're like, no, we're not going to do that. Like nobody's going to buy our T-shirt for 15 bucks from us. Right. I mean, 30, 30 bucks. Like we sell our shirts for 15 bucks because we make two bucks off a shirt. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, yeah. We're, <laughs> we're not, we're not looking to make a ton of money off of it. We want to, we want to give people a product that they actually want and will wear. And we want to give it to them for a good price Yeah, and maybe make a little bit of a profit, but not much. So nobody's going to buy an Atlas t-shirt for $30 at that. Did point. you ask him um, like, or, or what? Yeah. Like red's not going to play kinda, or thousand right. foot crutch. Is it going to play it? Because then, if we're opening, we'll go ahead and still play and let everybody else know why the other bands aren't yeah, playing. Yeah. You're like, come on. <laughs> yeah, and so 
that just kind of get that just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, although we did, we actually did meet uh, Trevor from Thousand Foot Crutch. He was he was actually super nice. Um, seemed seemed pretty genuine. Um, yeah. But I just I just I don't know. I just had a, a kind of a weird taste in my mouth from Red. Sure, because there's tour their tour manager, but that's you know. So yeah, I, I guess I just I, I would say the best way I could answer that is we, I just feel like we never really felt like we were part of it. Sure. Um, I mean, we would play anywhere. I mean, we played tons of churches. We played tons of bars. We played. Yeah. We, we're like, we'll play anywhere that you set up a stage and a microphone, or not even a stage. Look, we loved playing like floor shows. And after we kind of got blacklisted from the local venues in Raleigh, a lot of bands um, around that time started playing at this Masonic lodge. Uh-huh. In the basement nice and there were there were floor shows and they were a blast there's so much fun um one of my favorite shows we did like that we played with in her own words and uh worthwhile okay um i don't know if you know if you're worthwhile was a um, lot of hardcore band from san francisco yeah, wor- worthwhile amazing. i know yeah 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 they were amazing um one of my favorite shows we ever played the floor show in the basement <laughs> well i think what was interesting about atlas is that like from my perspective, you guys were kind of like a Swiss army knife in the sense that you could kind of play any show really in the, in the sense that like, if you're playing with a, with a band that predominantly plays like rock, you can, you can be that you Mm -hmm. have, you have the material to back that up. Um, if you're playing like a post hardcore show or something like that, you guys could be that too, you know, with the screaming and the, and, Mm -hmm. and so to, to kind of curve the conversation into the music a little bit, um, I have a really a hard time pinning down the musical style. I'm not even going to say the genre because I think the mm. genre terms are largely useless. Um, <laughs> especially I think, I now. Think, I think David, I think David Van Zandt, wait, I can't remember. Is he, does he agree with you on that or he doesn't? I don't know what about, uh, about, about gen- genres, genres being useless, being stupid. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'll have to ask. Cause him. I've seen, I've seen him make comments and I cannot remember for the life of me if he's, if he's for or against him. The hard thing is, is that me and David, anyway. me and David like to argue all the time <laughs> on social media. Like we, we, we argue on the podcast. Most of it is just is literally just busting each other's balls about stuff, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I'll have to ask him what his actual true feelings are about that. But in in, in my opinion, um, they're dumb. The, the, they they really like. I think I think using a genre to describe a band strictly as a reference a referential like I think that's okay. I think it helps people compartmentalize things. If, if they feel the need to do that, I mean, at the core of it, I'd say Atlas was a rock band. Yeah. You know, when I, when I would talk to people who, I don't know, older people from, you know, where, where I'm from, you know, when I'd come home, visit my parents, they'd be like, oh, what, you know, what's the band? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we just play rock music. I'm not going to be like, oh, this 65 year old lady really cares that I play in a post hardcore band. Right. Right. You know, like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's post it's post uh, hardcore some post rock elements. Um, we really like the word <laughs> really like the word post. We're big fans yes. of post. We almost named the band post. Um, yeah. But hey, we we got an album with us with that in there. Right, a third of the title. Right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I didn't even think about that. That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, so, but like, yeah, the, like I, I would actually, if I had to describe Atlas's music, it was like a Swiss Army knife. In that there, there's so many different things going on, 
sometimes it wants. And I think that was what was so unique mm-hmm. is that like, if you look at the second independent record that came out, um, that one was number one, obviously was vastly different than, than the first record. Mm-hmm. Um, and just calling it gospel hymns, volume one. Yeah. 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 And it's uh, like, it sounds vastly different. It's funny too, because like the first time I saw that, like available to stream on Spotify, I was just like, I don't know, man. I really like Into the Sea, but I don't know if I want to. <laughs> I don't know if I want to listen to gospel hymns or whatever. And so, like, it wasn't until it wasn't until this week, like, whenever I knew we were going to be talking, I was like, I should listen to that. And so, <laughs> and so I did. And um, it is absolutely like gospel hymns, but it's done, you know, in your way, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's kind of how we would we would describe that you know, way back when it, when we first put it out and even the whole story of that album coming out and us doing it in the first place. So we actually shelved into the sea to do that album. Really? Um, yeah, that actually makes a ton of sense. And, and dude, I don't know. I don't know what the majority of your, your listeners are, you know, what kind of background they come from. I'm convinced. Um, I, I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe he knows everything that's going to happen. And, um, the truth of the matter is if we had gone forward with into the sea, I don't think we would have ever sign with face down. That's interesting. Um, and anyway, I mean, whatever you, whatever you believe about that, um, that's, that's where I'm at with it. I, I won't be persuaded otherwise. Um, whether you want to attribute that to God, like I would, um, or chance or whatever. Um, well, let me dig into that for a second. So, um, you're saying if you had moved on, moved, moved on to into the sea, you would have never signed to face down in that it would have just kind of come out and nobody from face down would have ever heard it. Not, like it was I mean, like a timing thing. Or? I think it, I, yeah, absolutely. 100% was a timing thing. Okay. Um, so basically how gospel hymns happened is Seth was approached by these two families in our church that were starting a nonprofit organization to build a school, um, in Uganda. Um, okay. okay. They they offered to fund it um, if we would put some of the proceeds from the album to towards that. Um, Were they aware after, how much a, how much an independent band <laughs> makes off of album sales? No. And, OK, and this this is this is where <laughs> like they they got a, they had a legal team involved. And so basically ended up um, we, we weren't even allowed to do that. Um, we could not uh, like split profits with them. Okay. Because they were funding it. We were not allowed to keep any of that because it was supposed to be for nonprofit. I see. So what that meant was we, excuse me, we, um, donated all proceeds from the album. To okay. Because they funded it. So we we're like, Hey, you're going to pay us to make a record. We'll do it. Um, no problem. Uh, but what that meant was, yeah, we, we put into the sea on hold by that, by that point, I think we had, Oh gosh. Um, six or seven songs for into the sea. Um, you know, mostly done. Um, but we just felt like, Hey, this is, this is a really cool opportunity. Um, and you know, what, what, how many bands get a chance to do something like this where they have an impact on people halfway around the world? Sure. Yeah. Um, and so we, we were all on board with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, and I, I don't know, you know, if you wanted to, if you were kind of building up to get to signing with face down, 
I, I am. Whatnot. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I can, I can, I can hold off on that. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, it's relevant and I can, I can just reference this, like, this again, but, uh, but yeah, it, 100% a timing thing that I just, I don't think if we had proceeded with into the sea and self-released it, I don't know that we would have gotten signed by anybody. Um, there was at least one other label that we talked to, but you know, we can get to that again. <laughs> okay. So like if I'm streaming that album on, on the gospel hymns, if I'm screen, streaming that on Spotify, does that go to you or go to Seven, them? I, I believe I, I'm, and I'm, and I'm not hundred percent positive on this anymore. I think there may have been like a time frame on it. Um, but, but I believe we had it set up some way so that the proceeds from that would go to uh, the, the nonprofits called seven billion reasons. Um, and they're, they're still actually, they're still going, they had the schools going. Um, they, they actually invited me and my wife to go on a trip to Uganda with them. It was supposed to be this summer actually, but we, we already, we already couldn't anyway, but um, yeah, so the school's doing really well. I, um, the kids are doing really good on their tests and scores and stuff like that. So it's, it's just an awesome thing to have been a part of. That's that. cool. Yeah, no, that that's mm-hmm. really cool. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll get the cat out of the bag. So, how, you know, <laughs> it, so we're going to establish a couple of things here. Um, the first two albums were independent. You weren't more than a couple of hours outside of your local area. Mm-hmm. And you weren't real like you were adjacent to the Christian music industry as the, the mm-hmm. entity that it is. So how do how does one end up on a face down records um <laughs> that year you know uh just can, kind of kind of considering that I know with a lot of the face down bands they were just like tour machines all the time. Yeah, and that, and that was not us yeah. even a little bit. Uh yeah. So how do uh yeah, I guess we'll just jump into it. How how did you end up getting hooked up with face down? So yeah, so we so as as we said, um, I I left the band at the end of 2013, um, right before they went into the studio to start recording into the sea. Um, so they started recording early 2014. Um, had me come in track sirens, um, which was a blast. I yeah that when when I decided all right I, I'm I'm I need to step down from the band. They're like, hey, why don't you come and record Sirens at least? And I'm like, uh, yeah, let's do it. Um, and that was <laughs> so I tracked. I did three different uh, takes of it. Uh, one I recorded with my P bass. Uh, one I recorded with a uh, different. I don't remember what it was. Some other four string. Um, and then one I recorded with a 12 string bass. Um, so each, you know, four string, but each one is doubled up. And that thing was nasty. It sounded so mean. Um, and, and like when I first, you know, kind of started playing it, our guitarist, Evan was actually engineering the album. Uh, he worked at a studio that we were recording at and, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to like mute the strings. So there's not so much feedback. He's like, dude, just let it go. He's like, we'll, <laughs> we'll take care of it. And, yeah. and, you know, editing. I'm like, all right, <laughs> but that was awesome. Um, so anyway, they're, you know, they've, they've already started recording the album. Um, I think, I think we did a little, uh, crowdfunding campaign just to kind of finish, you know, get us over the, the, the edge of being able to pay for this record. So we, we self-funded that. Um, and this is pre face down. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so, or well, we crowdfunded that, I should say, <laughs> I guess. 
um, self-funded some of it at least. Um, so as, but as part of the crowdfunding thing, I think we had, they had offered, um, like three rough mixed, uh, not demos, but just rough mixes of songs from into the sea. Um, one of them being, um, shoot, uh, voices from the shore, um, all hands on deck, which actually doesn't appear on the album, but was supposed to, um, I'll, I'll get to that when we start getting into the face down stuff. Um, and then I don't remember what the, the, the third song was, but, um, so we were like, put the, put those three songs up. Um, and, uh, funny enough, um, well, I'll go first. Uh, well, okay. First, um, our drummer, Chris, um, who kind of did like most of the business side of things, he had been reaching out to labels, uh, sending it, sending them these rough mixes of songs from into the sea and, eventually started talking with in Vogue records. Um, and I don't know the guy's name, but he expressed interest and, uh, Chris, you know, took it to the other guys and like, Hey, this, this label's interested in signing us. Um, you know, they're like, okay, let's see, let's see what he says. Uh, offered them a terrible contract. Um, and I only say that because they had a lawyer look at it and he was like, do not sign this contract. <laughs> do not sign this. Red flag. So they so so they went back to the guy that said, "Hey, can you can you do any better?" Uh, didn't hear from him for a couple weeks to a month. By this point, they're they're working on getting the album mixed. Um, actually, in Long Island by Mike Watts, who's uh, produced and mixed and done tons of stuff with some incredible bands. Uh, he's done a lot with. Um especially that like long Island scene. Um, he's, he's done as tall as lions. Uh, the deer hunters done stuff with him. Um, 68, I think he did some mastering or, or mixing for them. I mean, just insane. Um, Gates is another, another band from that, that scene, but, um, yeah, they got, they got connected with him. And so he was, he was mixing the record. I drove out there from Scranton cause it's not that far. And just, just, just to see, uh, Chris and Evan kind of hang out with them. Um, and so Chris is kind of, you know, telling me all this stuff as it's going on. I'm like, geez. So eventually he hears back from the guy and the guy's like, yeah, we're not interested. So cause like, you didn't okay, take back. our, you didn't take our crappy deal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, so they're back to square one, um, a week or so later. And this is where it gets in, really interesting because I, I may have had something to do with Atlas getting signed. Okay. Um, after I'd left the band. <laughs> so I'm on Twitter one night and I see face down records tweets out, Hey, what are some local or unsigned bands that you guys are listening to? You know, let us know. And so I said, Hey, my old band Atlas is working on a new record. Here's some songs that they're giving away right now. And eventually when, when, uh, Jason, uh, from face down started talking with Chris and the guys, Chris was like, well, how did you hear about us? And he's like, well, he's like, we tweeted out, you know, send us some bands and somebody sent us Atlas. And it was these three songs. He's like, I think it was your bass player. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yes. Nice. <laughs> um, and that was, I mean, even just in a small way, because for me, I, I always, I always had believed that Atlas could be, well, and, and, and also the other part of it is I don't, I don't think any of us ever wanted to be on a record label because we thought it would help us make money or be successful 
or X, Y, Z, um, for, and, and it's funny because early on there were, there were some guys in the band that wanted nothing to do with a record label that thought they were pointless, stupid. I can, uh, I can see that actually just based on the fact that, you mm -hmm. know, it's not like you guys were writing like hit top 40 songs, you know, what you know, it was, (laughs) it was always very experimental, you know, different kind of stuff. You know, I think, I think when I was reviewing the album, I even said that like, I never really know where they're going to go, you know, um, which again, somehow ties into that, that, that nautical theme of, (laughs) you know, you're out, you're out wandering at sea, you know, so to Mm. speak. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like in that regard, it would be, it would be dumb to be thinking of labels because labels, they only want songs that are going to sell. And, you know, I, cause I think the closest thing that you would have to something that a label would want to sell would be something like a sirens, but sirens as good of a song as it is, isn't representative of the overall sound. No, no. It's funny. Even as you say that I'm I'm thinking like, yeah, that's really only kind of one of a handful of songs that we have like that. Yeah. Where Albatross maybe where it has kind of that, you know, that that's spoken word screaming kind of mix um, you know, the me without you, the law dispute, um, touche amore kind of style vocals. Um, but that wasn't, that wasn't all of what we were. It wasn't a good like barometer of what, of what we did necessarily. It was just a small p- part of what we did. So does Jason just call the band and just offer him a contract outright or I, you know, I don't, I don't really know how that all went down. Um, I only ever heard that they offered him a, a very band friendly deal. Um, sure. Like 50, 50 on all album and merch sales. Um, that's I mean, actually, that's, that's, that's actually really good. It's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. And I, and I think that's how, I think that's how he's, he's always done it. Um, I don't know. Hopefully there's not like a face down, another face down band being like, dude, what the heck? <laughs> there's, there's not, <laughs> man. This is no, no. I haven't ever talked to a face on artist that ever said anything about having a problem with the no, way things no. were done or any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, based, based on everything I heard and I've, and I've, I've interacted with Jason a little bit here and there over the years, just, um, some other random things. Um, something I'm kind of working on right now, actually, um, I'm getting ready to hopefully launch a campaign, uh, for, doing a vinyl pressing of our album post tenor Russ Luke's um, next, next year will be the 10th anniversary. Uh, so um, yeah, just, just something to maybe keep an eye on for people that might be interested in that. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I, everything I, I ever heard from the guys about face was just, it was amazing. Um, and really, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to say I don't think we we could have signed with any other label. I don't, want to say, I don't I don't think I'd go that far, but I think I think they were just the right fit for Atlas. Um, although it's although it's funny and, and even kind of thinking back to earlier in the conversation, just kind of what you're saying, like musically we we were kind of a Swiss Army knife, but there were some shows where it was like, man, we're we're not heavy enough to be on the show. There were some shows where like we're too heavy to be on this show. Like we played a show with tiger's jaw in Raleigh. And I mean, they were like at that point, I think they were doing like lo-fi kind of stuff. We're just like, yeah, yeah, this isn't really our scene, but I mean, okay. (laughs) 
Um, but, and actually it's kind of funny because I, th- I think we got signed around the same time as poured out and there was a little bit of Two like a twi- very different was, bands. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> incredibly different bands. Um, but there was a little bit of like a, uh, like a Twitter beef kind of went down because not, not between the bands, right? It, it wasn't the bands themselves. Some fans or friends of poured out was like calling Atlas out as being like not heavy enough. And, and then some of our fans, friends were like, shut up. Atlas is great kind of thing. And, um, poured out eventually they got those guys kind of eventually were like, what are you guys doing? Like we're on the same label. Like there's no comp. We're not competing here. Like we're on the same label. This is, this is cool. Like whatever. <laughs> yeah. <Chill. laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. What goes on in the mind of a fan. And I've been on both oh, sides of it, you know? So like, it's, it's one of those, oh, yeah, you guys aren't heavy enough. You're not heavy enough. Well, yeah, because I'm not like, you know why we don't sound like poured out? Well, this might be kind of a shock to you. We're not poured <laughs> out. We're different yeah. people. Like we're a yeah. different band, you know? Um, well, when it's, it's awesome. Even, I mean, it's awesome too. even like the way Jason has done things with face down. I mean, and I, I, to be honest, I'm not super familiar with their earlier bands. Um, but I know you know, as a result of him working with bands like my Epic with sleep for sleepers, um, that opened the door for Atlas, everything in slow motion. Um, and then even beyond us, like, um, I've, I've become, you know, kind of buddies with, with the dens guys, even though we've never met in person. Um, but when they got signed to face down and put out their, uh, EP, um, you know, I, I got connected with those guys on Facebook and I remember talking with Brandon, their drummer, and he was like, yeah, man, you know, Atlas really kind of helped, you know, open the door for us. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? You guys are amazing. You didn't need us. Um, and, but it even goes beyond us to, you know, to those other bands that, you know, Jason was looking to, I think that diversify, you know, his roster. And, um, and I think it's really smart because at the end of the day, it's his label, right? But the guy, he's going to do what he wants, you know, and he's. And he's doing it well. Yeah, it um, seems like he just signs bands based on what kind of music he likes. You know, it's mm-hmm, it's yeah. like it's almost like you know, you and I maybe collect albums. He collects bands. You know, yeah. And um, you know, that's just that that's that's the thing that you can do when you're Jason Dunn. You know, <laughs> but yeah, uh, seriously. But yeah, and I think the 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 one of the biggest things too is that you know the band and I, and I've seen this a few times with some of the other with some of the other bands too where you'll it seems like everything's going relatively well you know um you you know you kind of ground it out you know and and played these shows and and did all this stuff and um the band starts kind of like doing well and then you step down why uh why you step down so obviously you don't have to give it you like if so no no if it's, i was like if it's something I, horrible you don't have to get, no you know, no go no, into no it. it's nothing it's nothing like that um so I had gotten to a point where I was just comfortable uh, and I was, I was really kind of just coasting. Um, so I, I loved being an analyst. I loved playing shows. I loved hanging out with people after shows, going to cookout, uh, eating way more food than anybody should, but for super cheap. So why not? Um, <laughs> um, I loved all of that, but I didn't love investing in my craft personally. Um, I had, I had gotten to a point where I just, I just was not like practicing on my own and 
work just, you know, writing stuff on my own, um, outside of practice, outside of our, you know, rehearsals together as a band. Yeah. And it started to have an impact on our live shows a couple times. Um, and so we, we were getting together for practice one night. Um, and I quickly realized that nobody had instruments except for what was at the house that Seth and I lived in. Um, and I was like, Hmm. Oh boy. I think this is a, I think this is a meeting and not practice. <laughs> um, uh, so that sinking feeling. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, but, but I knew instantly. Um, and so it, it wasn't like a, Hey, you're done. We're kicking you out. It wasn't anything like that. It was what's going on. Um, is this something you want to keep doing? Because if you do, we want you here. Right. But we, but we need you to, we need you to show that, that you want to be here. Um, and so I, uh, yeah, that was, it was, it was rough. Um, more so the realization that something I had come to love so much, uh, had become this, just this thing that I wasn't like acting like I loved it that much. Um, or, or that I believed in that much enough to, dedicate myself that much more to it. Um, and so, so I said, give me a week. Let me, let me think about this, figure this out, see where I'm at. But within, within two days, I knew that it was time for me to step down. Um, and it was, it was one of the, it was simultaneously one of the hardest and yet easiest decisions I I had to make hard in that. I did not want to give it up. Sure. Um, because I, and I knew what we were capable of. Um, but easy in that I just, I just knew it was time for me to be done. Um, I, and I, and I was afraid of damaging relationships within the band. Um, because I knew if, if a meeting like that happened again, it wasn't going to be an option. It would have been, we can't keep doing this. You're, you're done. Um, and so I'm, and I'm, I'm so glad that that's not what it was the first time around, um, that it was more of a, just a, a checking, you know, checking my pulse. Like, are you still here? They were asking you questions that maybe you hadn't asked yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Even though, even though as they're asking them, I, I knew where I was at already. And I'm like, man, how did I get here? Um, but, but yeah, so I, 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 I stepped away because I, I did not want to be a hindrance for them. Um, yeah. So they take off kind of, you know, with, uh, with mm-hmm. signing to face down and all that. Um, but then it seemed like, you know, you into the sea came out and then that, that was kind of it. Yeah. So, and this is, and this is, I think just, uh, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, so even though I had, I had stepped down from the band, I never, I never played like technically a last show. Like the last show I played was this, this church show out in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. Um, and that was never kind of what any of us wanted for, to, you know, to be my last show. So the same time when they're, you know, they're in the studio recording into the sea, you know, they ask me to come in and play sirens and then to say, Hey, whenever we do put this album out, why don't you come and play the album release show and have that be like your last show? Okay. Um, and that was, that was incredible. Um, because I, I'm so about a year before the album came out, I moved back to Scranton. Um, 
I had been, I'd been looking for a job, um, working in a church. I wanted to do music in a church. And, um, that's, that's what some, that's, and that's another thing. I think I had become really passionate about that. I kind of, it, it sounds bad to think of it this way. And I don't, so I don't, but I, for lack of a better way to phrase it kind of at the expense of Atlas. Um, and, uh, so that was, that, I mean, that was at least part of, uh, where I was at with Atlas and, and eventually ultimately walking away. But, um, so yeah, I had, I had moved back in with my parents, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just about to turn 30 and I'm like, Oh, this, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so eventually I, I get a job at a church in the area and I'm really, I'm just doing social media. So not ultimately what I really wanted to do, but, um, at least something, but through that, I end up meeting my wife. Um, and we had just started dating, uh, around the time, uh, of the CD release show. I had really wanted to ask her to come down for it, but literally we'd been dating maybe two weeks and I didn't want to, would have been like almost too much. Yeah. 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 I, I felt like potentially it could be. And, and, um, you know, past experiences had kind of taught me like, chill slow down might be a weird um, ask yeah <laughs> right right yeah but the night before i left to drive down um she's like hey can i can i come down for the show and i was like yes yeah um so that was that was awesome that she got to see you know my last show with the band um but yeah so but after that man i i don't know and it's funny because we <laughs> we had always kind of talked about uh I mean, there was, there was a lot more that we had wanted to do, uh, collectively. Um, I'd say we, we would talk about doing for sure. Uh, well, I shouldn't say for sure, but we had talked about wanting to do like two more albums. Uh, like we talked about doing a gospel hymns volume two. Uh, we have honestly, Seth has, uh, probably half of an album written, uh, that we had always kind of talked about, like this album will be like, we're all in this until we get to this album. Right. Uh, at least, at least. Um, but I don't know, man. Um, after, after into the sea came out, um, touring was a hard thing, um, for, for a couple of the guys in the band, uh, at the time we're married. Um, Seth, uh, his wife had their first kid. Um, I think, bef- I think a little bit before the album came out, um, and, uh, so there was, there was a point at which he kind of just felt like, you know what, I need to step away. So Seth stepped away. Um, actually, and actually I, before into the sea even came out, uh, our guitarist, John, uh, left the band. Um, we brought in a replacement, uh, a guy named Joseph. Um, he was you know, from, a, from another band we were good friends with. And, uh, so he actually played the album release show on guitar with us. And, uh, he's, he's in the music video for sirens, um, that I was also in, which that wasn't, that wasn't originally part of the plan either. Um, but <laughs> I, I was down there a week before the, before the album release show. And, uh, Chris was like, let me talk to the guys and see if we can get you in the video. Cause it makes way more sense to have somebody in there playing bass than not. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked to the guys and they're, they're like, yeah, let's do it. Um, which was, which was fun. But at the time it wasn't super fun because we were in an old abandoned farmhouse and as somebody who has seasonal allergies and really bad dust allergies, <laughs> it was it was a rough time. I'm not gonna lie. I bet. Uh, but uh, still, another just a, another one of those things for me as as like yeah, this some 
I guess just like a sense of um, closure on that chapter of my life in, in a sense. Um, but yeah, so, you know, John left, Seth then left and they, and they, they kept going a little bit. Um, they brought in a, in a guy to play bass uh, named Diego. Um, and they actually, they actually started working on an EP um, with, I mean, the, the four of them writing all together the music, but um, Evan writing lyrics, but he only got one song in with the lyrics. Um, and I've heard it and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't think it's ever going to see the light of day, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, and that's and that, that wasn't even part of those two albums that we had talked about before, you know, when we would think about, like, you know, calling it a day eventually. But uh, yeah, man, um, then it kind of got to the point where it was just down to three of them. And Chris, when Chris left uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know, it's just one of those things where I think, you know, life just happens. Um, you know, there's there's not really like a, a, a huge exact reason why Atlas ended necessarily. Um, I mean, there's, there's a post pinned to our Facebook page kind of talk, talking about, you know, the band um, uh, being where it is right now, you know, being inactive. Um, and there's, I think we always tried to leave it open ended so that we didn't pull one of the, all right, we're breaking up. And then, Oh, four years later, we're coming back. Right. You know, and, and not to, not to, it's a great marketing tool though. Yeah, no, for sure. But, and and not to knock bands that do that because, you know, I think, I think when bands do that, I think they mean it. Um, you know, but I think maybe think about it a little bit more before you make it so, you know, final and like, we're never, we're done. We're not going to do this ever again. Um, you know, but that's, I, I will say I do, I do feel like I, I still need a little bit more closure, um, personally and, and maybe selfishly, I don't know, but I just feel like at the very least, like I, I want like, a, like one final farewell show. Um, I don't see that happening to be honest with you, but <laughs> you, I mean, but, never say, never say never. No, no. And you're right. And like, I, I mean, that's, that's kind of the opposite of what I was just saying in terms of leaving things open-ended, but, um, I think I think it would take a lot for that to ever end up happening. But again, yeah, I, you never know. Um, so. Oh, you're good, man. Um, how does it make you feel? No, so like, so one of the biggest things that you know with with Face Down, you know, re-releasing the album or, or reissuing it on vinyl, um, and to my understanding, that was literally due to fan demand. Mm. Like it was their most request, one of their most requested. Mm-hmm. Final releases, um, and so and I one common theme is I feel like sometimes when bands break up or they disappear for a while or they go inactive, <clears throat> and then something like that happens, it it's one of those situations where you're like, oh wow, I, do people even still care? I figured people might have just moved on mm. a- after that. Um, so what you know how how, how that's got to feel good, right? Like that there's that many people out there that are like. Like if, if all the guys got together and recorded and, you know, an EP or an album or something like that, like people would still be up for it. Hmm. Yeah. It's, I, I was, I was thinking through a lot of stuff like this today, just trying to, trying to get in the mindset for, you know, we're talking about this and 
and, and David had made us, had asked me a similar question. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredibly humbling. Number one, um, because, and, and, and even just looking through, through a lot of comments, you know, on FaceDown's post announcing the vinyl, you know, we shared it on our page and just seeing a lot of people comment, like, this is, this is one of my all time favorite albums. This is, this is my favorite album. We never set out to make that somebody's favorite album. And then I'm not, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not criticizing that at all. I, I'm saying that in, in terms of, I guess, you know, in the humbling aspect, like we never thought about, like we never, I don't think we ever really thought about, okay, people are going to love this. It was, we love this and we're stoked on this. Um, and we're going to put it out and we'll find some people who like it too. But I don't think any of us ever set out to, to, to be anybody's favorite band or, or to write somebody's favorite album. I was thinking about that, um, you know, like right before, right before we started talking. Um, and I think that, I, I guess there's a sense where I, 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 if you have, if you go into something with that kind of a mindset, I think you're going to force it and it's not going to work and it's going to feel so fake to people. Um, but when you write, I mean, gosh, basically the way our writing would go is Seth would come to us with songs, uh, basically all like pretty much a structure, at least, um, all written on piano lyrics, probably 95% complete, if not a hundred percent. And he would play it for us and we would just all start adding stuff in. Um, and knowing Seth the way I do, I've known him for 15, 16 years. That's never been why he's written. He's, he's, he's an incredibly honest, super intelligent guy, um, that writes from his own personal struggles, his own, you know, life experience, all of that. And, but does so in a way that I think speaks to people, um, and, and encourages people and challenges people to, to, to want to be better, to want to do better. Um, you know, or, or if you can't be better to, to, to ask for help. Um, and so I, I can't necessarily speak a whole lot more to that because, you know, in terms of the lyrics, because I didn't write them. Sure. Um, but I know what they, I know what those lyrics, how they affect me and how they, I mean, I've got them right here on my arm. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I know, how they make me feel so I can understand how they make other people feel. The only difference is I was part of the music and the fact that I even got to be a part of that just blows my mind. And I, and I am so grateful for that time. I'm, I'm so grateful that anybody would invest in that. And I, I remember, <laughs> I remember reading reviews of the album when it first came out and I came across one on Jesus freak hideout that wasn't, it wasn't bad, but there were a couple statements that I, I really took personally because, and not just because it was my band, but because, I mean, that's a big part of it, of course, but, but because I know like the lyrical content and I, I mean, Seth is honestly probably my favorite lyricist ever. Um, and I mean, that's, I mean, I'm somebody who like, I, I would tell people beforehand, like, Oh, Dustin Kenzer from thrice or, um, Aaron Weiss for me without you, but for me, Seth tops anybody. Um, and so, yeah, just the fact that I'm not the only one who, I mean, I don't know if other people would say, say that much because maybe they don't know 
I feel like there's a lot of people like don't know our, our names and that's fine. We don't care about that. But, um, but seeing people's comments about this album and, and the way it's affected them and the way it's, um, encouraged them in, in dark times or whatever it is. Um, it's just mind blowing to, again, kind of like with our gospel hymns album, it's, it's incredible to me to have been a part of that. Um, and yeah, I don't know. <laughs> No, it's cool. I mean, it's it's a it's a feeling that you can't really put your finger on, you know, mm-hmm. and it's hard. Like, and e- even I have trouble understanding how to feel. Like, if I get a message from somebody, it's like, oh man, I found your podcast last week, and I've been listening to it for two weeks straight. And I'm like, cool. Like, <laughs> awesome. you know, I mean, that's that's awesome. But yeah, like, but then for whatever reason, in my stupid brain, I always try to downplay it in some way, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and be all like, oh well, you know, it was okay, you know. So mm-hmm. it's it's refreshing to it's refreshing for me to hear you say, yeah, no, I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of the music that we wrote together Mm. and that you're happy that, that people enjoy it. And I think it's, I think it is the ultimate honor that the label would want to repress the record simply due to people being like, I really want to buy this record. Oh my word. Yeah. You know, in a world where we can just, you can just go stream the record all you want Mm -hmm. and it's fine. But you know, for people to be, attached to it enough to want to have that gatefold to have that yeah. big physical copy, you know? Um, and some, and some people are like, I don't even have a record player, but I want your album on vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's so cool. Though. Okay. That's it so is, cool. It is. And it, well, and it's funny. Cause like I said, you know, David asked me a similar question, but he was like, basically like, don't bull crap me. Don't, don't be, don't, you know, no false humility. And not that he was saying that I was being false with it, but you know, he kind of just, he's like just pushing me to admit like, yeah, it's a good album. Yeah. Um, he, he, he's you know good I mean? for that. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that because, you know, I don't, and I don't think any of us really would go that, I don't think we'd go that far with it because again, like I said, we, we wrote music that we were stoked on. We thought was awesome. Right. Um, so of course, yes, I, I think it's, I think it's an awesome album. I still listen to it a ton, which is, which is kind of weird. That's fine. Um, I mean, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't talk to a lot of, you know, or I don't hear a lot of bands that say, Oh yeah, I, I listen to my, I listen to my albums. Yeah. But that's, um, it's but again, it's, it's okay. the false humility thing that a lot yeah. of people throw out there where it's just it like, it literally listen to my own music. There's much more inspiring artists out there. <laughs> you know, if you'll excuse me, our 20 minutes is up for this interview. You know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, have, have actually legit had somebody say that to me before, but like Oof. it's, uh, but yeah, like, I think it's cool because if you didn't love it, then why did you make it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I will say, I will say there's a fine line between that and what I viewed as, uh, or how I viewed wearing your own band's t-shirt. Oh yeah. (laughs) And I know like, I don't know. I just always thought that was, that was a little too much. Um, I I was, I'll just say a band that I I love, but I just was like, really, you're going to wear your own band's t-shirt was the showdown. Oh yeah. Um, I love that band though. They're so, they're so good. But Same. I was like, like really guy, like you're going to wear your own band's t-shirt on stage at your show. It's a cool t-shirt. I don't know. I don't, it is, it is. But <laughs> free I don't know. advertising for me, for me, I was like, that was, that was one of the things I was most excited about when I left out. So I'm like, Oh, I can finally wear an Atlas shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, oh. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, like you said, it's, it's hard to really put into words and just seeing, yeah, the, the support that people have been, we're like, you know, sharing it 
whatever, just talking about it. Um, in the face down group on Facebook, um, got to give a shout out to them because those, those people are awesome. That's by far the best face Facebook group I'm a part of It's dude. It's the least toxic Facebook group. Oh my goodness. That exists. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, is it face down family appreciation? Yeah. Face on um, family appreciation. Yeah, I was and, one and of the really first is. members. It's, it's amazing. It's so it, it is, it really is like a family. Um, like I feel like I could meet up at a show with any, anybody in there and be like, yo, let's grab dinner. At, let's grab some food after, you know, hang out, talk. Yeah. That's um, what it should be. And not be weirded out by it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, totally. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. And I mean, everybody in there is always so supportive and, and, um, put up with my ridiculousness uh, from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> they have to put up with when me I, from like spamming podcast links. Like, oh, you check out this, <laughs> check out this thing I did. You know, like mm, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> they're the only ones that are not like get out of here. Self promotion yeah, isn't yeah, isn't yeah. allowed. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, John, thank you so much, man. This was this was fun, and I I, I love kind of getting the getting this background on to, because like Atlas was a band that I. I'll be fully transparent. I heard, I heard into the sea back when it came out. And to be honest, I didn't really even think about the band again until mm. probably, you know, like I liked the record, like it was still something that mm. I would like listen to in rotation, but uh, it was just one of those like, yeah, I guess they just never did anything ever again. And that's mm. been the most fun about having conversations like these is I kind of get to get to have that, that knowledge and actually share it with everybody else of like, this is, this is where we're at. And if you're worried, wondering why the band just disappeared, well, this is kind of why and, and, and stuff like that. And I think it's, it's super exciting now for people that might be listening to this and have maybe never even heard of the band. Um, you know, now the record's going to get, you know, get the, get the reissue treatment, you know, mm-hmm. and the, it might even be a jumping on point for them here. Um, in 2020, because I think the record still absolutely stands up five years later, Ooh, thank and you. and thank according you. to you, it's uh, actually older than that. So, oh, dude, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, that like you said, that first release that I wasn't even on, uh, "Message in a Bottle" and uh, "The Greater Tide" are on that first release, um, and you know we reworked them and put them on the, put them on that album. But yeah, it's crazy. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on, man. And um, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. It was, it was fun. Yeah. And I wish you luck. You know, obviously we'll stay in touch. Um, yeah. Now, now, now that we're Facebook friends, you can't get rid of me. So, <laughs> I mean, you could block me, I guess, if I get too out of control. Oh, so, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, man, this is, this was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I think everybody needs to go check out that record. You can go listen to it right now and uh, watch the video to see our man right here on the, you know, on the video. And it's cool. <laughs> it's really cool. So Thank check you. check it out, guys, and uh, have a good night. And that was my chat with John Amos of Atalus, not Atalus, as I have been incorrectly saying this entire time. Uh, this was a really fun chat, and I hope you guys really enjoyed it, getting a little bit of more history on the band. And uh, they actually were around a lot longer than I thought that they were and had more material than I thought that they had. So... Uh, all I had really known about this band for a long time was just this record, Into the Sea. And uh, if you guys haven't heard this one yet, I think you're really, really, really going to enjoy it. 
especially with uh, with this interview's uh, full endorsement. So I just want to thank you guys for checking it out. Uh, if you want to get this record into the sea, it has recently been released by Face Down Records, or re-released rather, uh, on vinyl. If you go to the Face Down Records Merch Now store, they uh, still have this bad boy for sale for about 25 bucks, which is not bad for a double LP. Um, I gotta say, uh, I'm definitely gonna be picking this one up uh, as this has become very quickly one of my favorite face down releases, even though it, you know, it's not, oh, it's not coming from a hardcore band and it's kind of, uh, it's kind of refreshing. Uh, I really do like the newer face down records lineup. The bands that they have now are just, are, are, are a lot of, uh, a lot of variety, a lot of dynamics. And that, that's, that's what I'm really digging about face down here in 2020. So, uh, definitely stay tuned to hear me talk to some other face down artists and uh i've got uh i've got a really good one coming up uh with the singer of weathered that uh if you guys watch my twitch channel then you guys have actually already seen that so uh definitely stay tuned for that and thank you for checking us out here again at the discuss metal podcast if you guys want more content like this please let us know we've had a great year in 2020 talking to so many different artists on this podcast so if there's an artist you want us to talk to or somebody that you think that you could uh, give us a recommendation for talking to or talking about on discography discussion even, uh, definitely drop us a line. There's a lot of ways you can get a hold of us. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can follow us on our Twitch channel at Discuss Metal Dan. So there's a lot of different ways you guys can get a hold of us. I do stream on Twitch several times a week on Mondays and on Thursdays, usually playing some video games pretty late at night. So stop in and say hi. Definitely make sure to give us a follow over there. And uh, thank you guys so much. This has been a this has been a, a fun year, and uh, I can't wait to show you guys some of the cool stuff we have in the works coming up next year. This has been Discuss Metal with John Amos of Atalus, presented by DiscussMetal.com.